Warning, I'm single this Valentine's Day, but uh, I'm just so happy for everyone else. It makes me happy to know that love is out there in the world. Welcome to the Seriously Wrong Podcast, everybody. My name's Aaron. And my name's Sean. And we uh, we actually do a podcast. Yeah, we do it together. And you're listening to it. And this is a very special episode. This is the Seriously Wrong Valentine's Day special. So this is an episode that is just sort of eternally going to be associated with Valentine's Day. It's going to be in heavy rotation for future Valentine's Days, so... Thank you for listening. Oh, Valentine's Day. You know, some people say, oh, Valentine's Day, I'm not in a relationship right now. It's so depressing, all this Valentine's Day stuff around. Mm-hmm. But um, when I'm single on Valentine's Day, I don't usually feel that. It's not like when I'm in a relationship, I'm like, yeah, Valentine's Day, like, best time of the year. Right. Like, the, the, <laughs> <laughs> the Valentine's Day highs aren't so great. That like when I have a Valentine's Day by myself, right. I'm like, oh, I'm missing out on how great Valentine's Day would be. I just, I've never really like prioritized in relationships. Valentine's Day is like the specific time for romantic gestures. I don't know if that's yeah. I've never me... been on a relationship on Valentine's Day with someone who was really into it. I imagine if I was, then you know I'd do something. But other than it's always just been like, okay. <laughs> And that's also how I felt on Valentine's Day when I've been single. It's been kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, it's that day. <laughs> you know, we're just two strong men don't care about Valentine's yeah, Day. Okay, we're yeah. so hardy. <laughs> yeah, there is a gendered element here. I, I don't mean to, you know, cultural narratives. Yeah, that... oh, and I'm a total sap. Like, I'll cry at a romance in a movie, but I won't be sad on valentine's day or particularly happy on valentine's day yeah sometimes i do get sad on other days though yeah about other things oh sure and i might be sad on valentine's day about something else <laughs> too bad we don't have someone on the show representing people who get really sad on valentine's day mm-hmm. yeah i mean i could try to play that role but i might accidentally slip into like parodying it right and right, be right. snarky yeah but well i can understand it seeing other people having something that you want yeah and it's a day when everyone's sort of invited to kind of be a bit public about it or even if they're like you haven't seen people being a bit public about it, you just know what's going on you know like <laughs> couples are out for dinner and you're not because you're not in a couple yeah, I, I don't want to be insensitive, but that sounds very funny. Like, <laughs> like you're not even seeing a couple or something. You're just like, there's couples out there. <laughs> but it's uh, like it's this the- day and it's been approaching and you've been aware of it. And I don't know, it's a fixation I don't have, but I have sympathy for those who do have that fixation. Yeah, totally. And imagine this, someone's like alone on Valentine's Day. They're feeling down about it. Yeah, they want to pick They're up like, their podcast. Oh, seriously, Ron got a new episode out. That's going to have a sardonic take on Valentine's Day. Well, time to tune in and feel better 
<laughs> and then the first thing is just us saying that they're wrong <laughs> to... <laughs> we never said that, though. No, that's true. No, we were very nice. Today's episode of Seriously Wrong is brought to you by living a life full of friends and activities, family and enjoyment that doesn't include a romantic relationship. You know, personally, I just find that the amount of effort and thought that I was putting into finding or maintaining relationships just wasn't right for me. Like, I just have so much work to do and, like, so much stuff that I want to get my hands on, like surfing and playing rock and roll music and mastering the art of massage. I'm having an amazing life. I just spent two years at a monastery. Do you think I could do that if I was in a romantic relationship? No. I've got really rich friendships in my life. Like, I've got a lot of vulnerability and intimacy and, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's, yeah, really just living my best life, having an incredible time. An enjoyable, fulfilling life without a romantic relationship. Proud sponsor of Seriously Wrong. Valentine's Day, it's a weird day. It's based on a saint. There's a man behind the day. I was just looking this up. Oh, St. Valentine himself? Apparently there's more than one, but they think there's kind of a main one that it was probably mostly based on. St. Valentine of Rome, and there was like some story where he was marrying people, even though it was illegal. Oh, yeah, because the the Roman emperor wanted the men in the military to be single so they'd be better warriors. Like a nofap kind of thing or a no... (laughs) Yeah, emperor nofap. (laughs) Uh, Emperor nofap wanted to keep young people from getting married to each other and then St. Valentine was doing it in secret and got arrested for that. Because he's a real romantic. They sent him to jail. And then he, like, fell in love with the judge's daughter, cured her of blindness, and sent her a letter, uh, like a death letter. He was being killed for his crimes. And he sent her a letter that was signed, Your Valentine. Because, yeah, he loved, yeah. So that's probably a fake story. At least most of it or some of it. From what I was reading, it seemed the consensus was that that was a fake story made in the 14th century. Yeah, because this guy, whoever he was that did exist, died in, like, the 3rd century. And while he was named a saint, there wasn't much of a romantic element to this until the 14th century when it was so it became associated with this day and with the tradition of courtly love. Yeah, what's the deal with courtly love, Aaron? It's, uh, it's a medieval European literary conception of love. So it just kind of started in like fiction, but then kind of became social moors that people were actually doing. It's, it's interesting how this idea of courtly love, like, I, I feel like our modern ideas of romance are descended from this in various ways. Uh, Barbara W. Tuckman studies this stuff, and she, she made these stages of courtly love. Gives you a kind of idea of what the, the whole thing was. Let's hear it. Let's hear what real romantic Valentine's Day love should be. Uh, so it starts with attraction to the lady, usually via eyes or glance. Then there's worship of the lady from afar. Then there's a declaration of passionate devotion. So I guess that's the first time you get not afar. Like you see with the eyes, you worship from afar, then you declare passionate devotion. Then there's the virtuous rejection by the lady. So of course she virtuously rejects yeah, you. Yeah, she can't be too open. Then there's uh, renewed wooing and oaths of virtue and eternal fealty, moans about approaching death and unsatisfied desire. 
and other physical manifestations of lovesickness. Then there's heroic deeds of valor, which win the lady's heart. And then there's consummation of the secret love and endless adventures and subterfuges to avoid detection. That matches my experience of dating 100%. (laughs) Where you first... (laughs) It just reminds me of rom-coms with the, like, seeing the girl from afar, wanting her, getting rejected, and then, like, moans of love... What did it say? (laughs) Moans of approaching death and unsatisfied desire, renewed wooing and oaths of eternal fealty. And that's what... So so you're like, you're like, I promise I'll be faithful to you forever. I fear I'm going to die alone. Like, this is... I'm in so much pain without you. Know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go do some acts of virtue. Check this out. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, first, you just look at someone and decide you love them from afar with worship. Check. Declare passionate devotion is like the first thing you do. I always have trouble with that. I'm too shy. <laughs> to declare passionate devotion immediately. Yeah, I always go right to the displaying virtue. <laughs> do, I, I skip. Oh, oh, okay. Do you even get the virtuous rejection by the lady no. before you start Yeah, no, I'm virtue? bad with that. <laughs> I always try to skip the virtuous rejection. It, it hurts too much. But maybe, also, maybe we could have an app that mimics the steps of courtly love. So it would be it'd be kind of like Tinder in that, at least for the man, you would be swiping past pictures to get that initial love from afar. But I guess for a woman, you would just sit there waiting for the person to first come up, and then you would have to say no, because that's your role, and then later say yes, because that's your role. You don't have a lot of choice in this app if you're a woman. You just kind of... Maybe you could choose which side of the courtly love you're on, to, regardless of your gender. Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. You got to be better, progressive anyway. with this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Next time I'm ever using an app like Tinder, I match with someone and I send them a message and they don't respond. I'm mm-hmm. going to be like, oh, that's just the noble rejection. This is moving perfectly fine. You know, like that's, yeah, I get it. This yeah, is- every time you get a, a no or a non-action, just keep messaging people. <laughs> Great advice. I see all these um, people posting screenshots of men who do this online, women on dating apps, like they, you know, don't respond or they say no. And then the men keep going. Often it was also people they knew in real life or they'd gone on a few dates with someone. So they had their Facebook and stuff. And then they're doing that courtly love thing of just following up endlessly. Maybe they're not doing anything virtuous. It's more like an oscillation between self-pity and saying fucked up things that is sort of part of the steps of courtly love is the the wailing about your loneliness right right. yeah it is it's it's that's what i'm saying this modern love it's a bit descended from that but these guys fucked up aspect these guys don't do the acts of virtue they stop at the wailing and that's the problem yeah yeah instead of virtue they swap out like cajoling and misogynistic slurs a lot of the time yeah that stuff is so fucked up people who send abusive messages to each other i know someone who through a dating site met someone who then stalked them on a persistent basis where they had to like hide their social media that's really fucking creepy i'm your host chip anderson and this is wrong town nine o'clock news welcome and hey how you do breaking news earlier today Wrongtown Card Factory, Wrongtown's number one supplier of Valentine's Day and other cards, has been bombed. Bombed by a terrorist cell of aromantic supremacists. Their leader issued this statement today, which was provided to Wrongtown News. A new day has dawned in Wrongtown. 
No more will we be slaves to these unrealistic expectations being peddled by greedy greeting card manufacturers who poison the minds of our youth and instill in them an unquenchable thirst for which satiation is impossible because romance is a lie. It's a fairy tale. All relationships are a sham. If you think you're happy, you're wrong. By blowing up this greeting card factory, we have taken the first step to a society without romance, a society where all sexual relationships happen either in the context of one-time hookups or friends with benefit relationships. And that's gonna be so good. Everyone's gonna love it. People are mad about this thing, whatever, like we blew up a greeting card factory, whatever. Like they were peddling shit to the kids, as I said, and it's gonna be way better. So you can thank me later. And yeah, A-Rows rise up, I guess. We will not apologize for the terror. A captivating manifesto by a very charming man who's not looking for anything serious right now. We'll now go to a commercial break, but when we come back, what is the peach of Chalif wearing and why? And now it's time for the most romantic thing in the world. Two old men who've both lost their wives but have found new love in a gay relationship. We both love poker. We both love walking around the mall. Peter is my second soulmate. I feel complete now. I've had one of each. I had a wife, and now I have a beautiful, handsome husband. When I was younger, I really always thought I would that I'd only be attracted to women, you know? And oh, I, I always knew that I like to look at the boys, but, uh, you know, it was a different time back then, and I got married young, and... We had a beautiful life together, but just when I saw Malcolm, I knew I had to shoot my shot. I know that my Margaret would be looking down, and she might be a little bit surprised, but she'd be very happy. I knew that she wanted me to move on if she passed. I I, I do know that. You know, I, I like to think that your Margaret and my Sally Ann are up in heaven right now, uh, watching down on us and smiling and saying, that's, those are our boys. And you know, maybe uh, maybe they'll fall in love up there. Who knows? I hope for that. I really do. Because when we go up there... Oh, yeah. If they're together, then maybe uh, as long as Margaret likes me and my wife likes you, then, you know, maybe we, we'd all get together as be four partners. No limits. Oh, God. They're watching us right now. Well, maybe they are. You know, they might have something else to do. He gets like this. He thinks everyone's always paying attention to him. I just think they're probably watching us right now. Is that so crazy? Well, probably is different from what you said. You said they are. Probably I have no problem with. Probably means there's a greater percentage than not that they're watching us, which means that we should strategically act as if they're watching us. So whatever about the wording thing. I like to be precise with my language. Well, you know I'm not always quite as precise. Yeah, no, it's okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you feel small. I just get hung up on those things. Well, you make me feel small with that type of talk. And that was the most romantic thing in the world. Back to the show. So if this sort of like idea of love as a thing that it's not that the 
the people who fall in love have agency per se, but that it's like something they're struck with, but that its origin is in the people participating in it rather than its origin being in like an arranged marriage process by the parents. It uh, courtly love. They describe it as an experience between erotic desire and spiritual attainment. Getting horny and getting holy. What basis were arranged marriages made on? Not on a spiritual or erotic basis, usually. It was like more pragmatic reasons. Well, yeah, like it would be weird if your dad was setting you up in a marriage and he was like, hey, what about this chick? This, <laughs> you into that? I don't think they were considered, they weren't like showing each other <laughs> yeah well they might have been like she's quite beautiful or something or you know he's a handsome you're quite lucky <laughs> so if that if that never happened that we transitioned our understanding towards this more modern idea of romantic love then tinder would be really different it would be designed for parents to pair up their kids rather than having like questions on your profile like do you like scary movies it would be stuff like how many goats do you expect to receive? <laughs> what kind of political alliances can we form together? What's the family lineage like? Do you have any heroes in your family? <laughs> At least then you don't have that like paradox of choice, that like paralysis that comes with having so many options. Mm -hmm. It's like you got your lot and you're either pleased or not but at least you know yeah the choice paralysis thing is interesting about the modern dating like the digital dating context i've heard people joke about choice paralysis specifically i'm not using those words of being like oh we should just bring back arranged marriage ha -ha. yeah yeah, yeah. you For know sure. I've, I've heard multiple people say that yeah specifically with the frustration that comes with having this rolodex of potential <laughs> dates in your pocket and how it affects you psychologically Along the lines of like dating innovations to fight choice paralysis, maybe we could have a dating site that squares the circle there by like having you say, commit to a certain date night where you're going to be set up with a different person each week until you tell the app to stop and there's some sort of penalty for not keeping up with it, you know? Yeah, like, like you both have to say, yes, the person went on the date and like so they keep track of whether you actually went or maybe they can even track you GPS or we don't have to get creepy about it, but like <laughs> some accountability method. Yeah, no, that's interesting too because when I hear let's bring back arranged marriages, I tend to get stuck on, okay, do I get to pick the gender of who I'm being arranged with or not? <laughs> and that's where my mind goes with it. But your thing, this kind of halfway, it's not quite halfway. It's a lot closer to the modern thing. But like... There's something arranged about it. Yeah, it's being arranged by the app. And it's more like arranged first dates. Like you're not obligated to marry the person, right? This is just first dates, you said, once every few weeks or whatever. Yeah, yeah, not obligated to marry at yeah. all. No, that'd be a weird app. Um, yeah, an arranged marriage app where it's just like you let the AI arrange for you and you meet the person for the first time. Like you can chat a bit first, but you meet them for the first time on your wedding day. Both of your families are there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a real open-minded liberal here for a second and say if people wanted to have AI set that up for them and they were willing to go through that whole process. Yeah. All the power to them. Yeah, I wonder if a startup could do that. Because I almost feel like some people with that frustration of this thing might just be like, yeah, fuck it, fine. Oh, it's, so, it's so funny to think of the whole family being there and everything. <laughs> like, that's just so like... Yeah. It'd be really weird. I mean, what we have currently is also pretty weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, actually, no, it's the most normal thing in the world. It makes perfect sense that people who are single that want to 
have a collection of photos of strangers that they haven't yet said hi to, but that you've mutually agreed should be in each other's phones just in case. It's natural that someone would figure out with the development of technology and the narratives of like romance and dating in society, they're like, hey, well, you could just show people random pictures of each other and then have people try to look for like, do you find them attractive? And like, what sort of like subculture are they part of? Or what do they choose to highlight about themselves? Or like, what do I care most about it? And try to like evaluate on a speed dating kind of way, you know, like, yeah, well, it's it like, makes sense that would happen. It's just the outcome is sort of like odd to contemplate. Like people do that in real life too, at like, say a singles bar or something They just, there's no physical swipe happening, but there's like your eyes rest on someone for a moment and you either feel interest or not and either approach or not or whatever like people do. But there's definitely a process of instantly judging based on first impression and any situation that's set up for dating is going to have that as opposed to like if you date someone that you've met in a different type of situation. Anything that's like dating focused puts you in that mindset. Yeah. Tinder just makes it super explicit. And organized and just like lined up all, yeah. all in a row. Yeah. Just, I feel like we haven't hit the peak of online dating technology. I was just thinking, when you're dating online, you don't actually date online, you date in person. It's more of like you meet them online. It's like online date scheduling. Yeah, you don't have like, okay, we're having a date at 9 p.m. on Valentine's Day, our first date, <laughs> but it's going to be an <laughs> online date. <laughs> so we're just going to hop on the apps and text to each other. Maybe it's like a Skype call, like a Valentine's Day first date Skype call. That would actually maybe be very convenient for a first date, because if you're like, nah, I'm not feeling this, you can just end the call. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could even stream a movie at the same time and like have a chat box, like watch a movie <laughs> together as a first date. Right, right, right. But that's a real online date. But I like for me, I don't know. I feel like if you're going to Skype call with someone, I'd rather just meet them in person because like you're already seeing them. They can already see you. Might as well be in super high def and like, you know, be able to smell them and get the other senses as well. Dating is weird. It's just a weird thing. At its best, it's like really fun and meeting people is cool. But you're also really playing for keeps. You're playing with live ammunition. Like the risks of dating going astray are they can be very serious. You can hurt people's feelings or be very badly hurt yourself. Because you're auditioning someone for the role of like <laughs> the intimate partner. Yeah, that's that's freaky. It's freaky to <laughs> open yourself up to hurt or be hurt. Even yeah. on a first date, you could show up on a first date and they have a great, incredible time and they're so excited and you're not. And just by not reciprocating, it's you could really hurt someone. Yeah, well... But also, on the other hand, you might get true love. So it's sort of a complex thing, yeah. dating sites. Yeah. <laughs> and now we go to a real, live, blind first date, 15 minutes in, currently in progress. <laughs> uh, that's true question this first blind date do you think it's going well like on a scale from never want to see again to soulmates forever well as far as first 15 minutes of a blind date goes it, it is going well and how that fits on that scale sometimes it can be hard to place for sure L lust gets mistaken for 
the ability of a long-term loving commitment. Not necessarily saying we will or that there's that much passion here. Yeah, no, no, I'm not saying that Maybe at all. there is. Maybe, Maybe there, there is. is. I don't but know. Actually, on that spectrum from passionate, wild lust mm. to not viscerally excited that way, but maybe the gears are turning, maybe something stronger will develop over time, and I certainly like them, and maybe I'll just play it by ear. Where on that spectrum do you think we are? Uh, you know, it's really hard to say, but one thing I do want to say is that I just appreciate so much how open you are talking about this stuff. Because often I bring this stuff up on first day and people get freaked out, to be honest. They get a little like, you know, why are you saying this? And it's like, well, isn't this why we're here? Let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, like, right? let's talk about it. Like, okay, one person believes in true love, believes in soulmates, believes that people are like unfinished puzzles walking the world. They need to find their perfect other half and then be together mm -hmm. forever that's mm -hmm. what some people mm -hmm. believe and then there's other people who believe no that's all bullshit the best thing that you can hope for is a good compatibility between people but it's always inherently going to be temporary limited or flawed you know and not covering them the first date well you think it's never going to come up no it's going to come up when you're either getting old together or not and it can cause problems later on so you know what i say get it out of the way first date first way. 15 minutes why not yes okay imagine that we'd been dating for years we'd met each other's families we'd lived together we yep. had a shared bank account even and we tell each other everything we're each other's sounding boards our muse our, our hypothetical future so that might come out of this meeting. Yeah, say we get there and right. it comes up of like, well, I think it's time that we lock it in, get married till death do us part. And the other person says, whoa, 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 look, this is fun. This has been a great 12 years, but nothing lasts forever. And then that other person's like, sweetie, I put my whole life aside for you. I, I've been I've telling given, everyone you're my soulmate. I, I've given you everything I have. I didn't take the job in Illinois. But now you're telling me now, 12 years into our relationship, you don't believe that we're both unfinished puzzle pieces that have become finished by being together? You know, we should have covered this, I don't know, in the first 15 minutes. Just so refreshing. Just so, so refreshing. I this this whole date. That's my biggest takeaway right now. Refreshing. Mm -hmm. This date's like a diet Mountain Dew in that way. It's really hitting the spot. I was thinking more like a caffeine-free Mountain Dew, but still with the sugar. That's the first thing we've disagreed on. That's a good sign, because I can work with that. Actually, I'd prefer if you didn't sip on my Dew. Oh, yeah. This way, we buy two 12-packs, different kinds of Mountain Dew, and then there's no arguing over, oh, did you drink some of my Mountain Dews? Did you put it in the second fridge in the garage. And then you know how many Dews you drank, and it's never a question as to whether someone else drank your Dew. Yeah, my Dew's gone. I've been drinking more Dews than I thought. Well, you know, I never drank Dews with caffeine. I never drink dues with sugar content. I wonder what kind of dues our kids would like. In the event that there was progeny yes. in the long term. What my family did worked really well. And that was my parents had their own mini fridges, each with their own locks. And the kids had their fridge. And so it was separate and clean and accountable. I love that. That was the slogan of our household. Separate, clean, clean accountable. accountable. I like that. That's a good household slogan. You know, on this do thing, it really got me thinking. You know, some things you want to be exactly in line about. Like, say... Whether or not to have kids. Whether or not you believe in soulmates. Exactly. That same opinion yeah, sort of stuff. Definitely. But then there's other things that, by having a different opinion, it actually makes things go smoother. Like, if you like a caffeine-free do or a sugar-free do, that makes things go smoother. That's complimentary. It's like one eats no fat, one eats no lean. Betwixt them both, absolutely, yeah. I was thinking about trying to do an impression of a funny voice, but I'm not sure... This first date's going really good. 
Oh, is that the Sopranos or something? I feel awkward because I don't know who that was. Oh, you don't recognize of, that? Yeah. No, I, I totally fucked. It was supposed to be Kermit, but I really fucked it up. Well, let's just say perfect impressions isn't on my must-have list for Me a life neither. partner. And actually, it's sort of complimentary. One person can't do impressions. One person can't recognize impressions. It's beautiful. Everyone, yeah, that's like one of those things where it's two different... Yeah, everyone's got their faults, mm. but it's okay as long as it's not on your do-or-die list. The serious stuff. Yep. Yeah. Another round of drinks? I say yes. Let's do it. Well, that seems to be going well. We'll check back in with our two lovebirds later. But as for now, we'll head back to the show. Another weird thing about online dating now, though, is that these apps all make money based on ads and based on collecting your data and based on you using the app as much as possible. So the incentive of the app makers is to keep you on the app, whether conscious or unconscious. The incentive isn't, oh, it would be great if they got married and stayed together forever and never used our app again. That's pretty bad for the app. Oh, yeah. Well, I think like the best case scenario for a company like Tinder or whatever is to have as many people as possible paying for whatever the most expensive version of tinder is that has the most elaborate dating features but at the same time to have those elaborate dating features not lead to successful long-term monogamous relationships like just in pure incentives that's Mm -hmm. structurally what's under the hood there what the good folks the employees at tinder do with that incentive is up to them and i don't know the the details of it yeah maybe they do something to try and stop people from finding lasting relationships but it's like it's hard enough already (laughs) i don't know if they need to throw any more real barriers there Another weird element of online dating is people knowing a bunch of stuff about you before you even know who they are. Like, there's this one-sidedness to it. I mean, you both see each other's profiles, right? Yeah, but I mean, like, at in the... The initial swiping stage? The swiping stage or the going around the website and looking at the people on it stage. Yeah, 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 or yeah. You might look at their profile without them having looked at yours. Yeah, when, like, you're doing this evaluation, like, people are going to just... Oh, yeah, people perusing might, you people right now might be looking at my dating profile yeah. and evaluating me even though i'm like i'm busy recording this podcast with you yeah that's they, sort of strange it is strange yeah to think about someone just swept left on me like this exact moment <laughs> right i can feel it someone was like nope the power went down but then also i mean i think the knowing stuff about each other is a good thing Like, actually, that's one of the things I find frustrating about dating is, like, feeling like I have a responsibility to judge the other person and have them judge me and Mm -hmm. understand who they are. But you really don't know people from just meeting them a couple times. Yeah, no, I feel like first couple dates, you should more just be establishing, like, do I enjoy spending time with them? But yeah, like, the process of getting to know someone takes at least six months more, probably. Before, like, all the defenses and things come down and people start showing you the parts of themselves that they're wisely keeping hidden at the beginning (laughs) because it would scare you away. We should set it up in the inverse where you have all of those things up front, you know, like your dating profile rather than being like, this is my favorite movie, this is what I'm interested in or whatever. It's stuff like, we'll never empty the dishwasher ever and inconsiderate about bathroom space uh like (laughs) we'll go through your phone would be great if you no one wants to 
share that with anyone. Yeah, and you also don't know a lot of the time. Like, you're unaware of your own foibles. There should be a foible section of your bio, you know? <laughs> foibles, just a couple quick foibles. Show that you really understand yourself. Well, yeah, it's also strange just to know a list of things about people before you've had a conversation. Sometimes... I wonder if I read something in people's profiles that I'm like, mm, I'm, you know, skip this person. Whereas if they just hadn't had that one thing in their profile and I'd learned it like after three dates that I enjoyed, it wouldn't be like, oh yeah, I don't care if they like this thing I don't like. You know, like it allows people to be super picky about these things that maybe wouldn't be such a big deal in context of who the person actually is. But okay, Cupid really sets you up for that like they have all these sections and like you can write long things you can even pick different titles for your sections, so you can personalize which things you want to talk about and then you got all the questions and you can just browse people's questions forever like it, it, it's so weird to have a conversation with someone like on okcupid i've like read a lot of like really specific things like people planting down all these flags what's your opinion on religion what's your opinion on oral sex what's your like just <laughs> and then you read them all and you're like okay hey how's it going <laughs> i just read that you prefer to be less dominant in the bedroom what's up <laughs> The, I mean, one of the good things about that, I mean, obviously it's weird to read personal things about strangers in the beginning stage of considering to date them. Like that is odd, yeah. but it sort of makes sense also. Yeah. The good thing about that is that it gives you something to like talk about when you start messaging someone. So it's not just like, hi. Yeah, that's true. That's true. When there's like a blank profile or whatever, you have to like think of like a line or something. And it's like, well, you can't use the same line for everyone. Oh, yeah. No, if you're going to have a blank profile, you better have an ability to project a personality through your text exchanges. Just completely personality-less interactions. Hey, hi, how's it going? How's your day? Oh, pretty good. What are you up to? Nothing. Editing podcasts. That's what I do all day, all the time. How about you? HBU, question mark. Did you have a good weekend? Yes. I went swimming with my friends. Cool. I like swimming. What kind of movies do you like? Oh, all kinds of movies, you know. Cool, me too. I find there's far too many movies to watch. I feel that way about movies and books also. I mostly reread the books that I really like that I read when I was a teenager. Want to meet up for drinks? There's a lot of sparks flying in this uh, recounting of our days to each other. <laughs> you know. The <laughs> no, yeah, I hate that shit. If I can pick something specific, I just like I want to talk about something. Like small talk is fine and it's a skill to have, but like especially when I'm in dating app mode and I've done this like multiple times in recent memory, it's like I just fucking can't. But actually, that that small talk, being able to do that effectively, like asking how someone's day is, is what you do in a long-term partnership relationship with mm. someone. Yeah, because you can answer your what your day is like with a lot more honesty and almost flippancy. Like, it's not being judged on the same level as opening small talk. Your small talk text with your significant others not necessarily have to be like a riveting display of your personality. and Because uh, yeah, there's so much writing on those first texts. Oh, like, what movies do I like? Hmm, what movies do they like? And which ones should I put first in the list of... Kind of yeah, yeah what, do, what do I choose to curate about myself in this context? Yeah. So that, that's an example of... It, there's instances where 
the skills that it takes to achieve a certain status and then the, the skills that it takes to sustain that status are out of sync. And what makes you good at dating and what makes a long-term relationship work are really out of sync. Like another example is like electoral campaigns where what it takes to win a campaign and win a vote for like president or whatever and what it takes to be a good president are like two totally different sets of skills like two very very different jobs to convince a bunch of people to like mark your name on a certain date versus managing all of the responsibilities of like governance there's a huge difference there yeah and it's not even just about skills like the type of person that you would enjoy spending an hour with for the first time ever and feel attracted to might not be the same thing as the type of person that you could live with for decades and sustain a nourishing loving relationship with today's episode of seriously wrong is proudly brought to you by burton von schmiles curtain love dials Because we all know that everyone is always moving towards and away from be together forever, leave them right now. And everything you do, especially in the early dating times, causes people to adjust that. Now, Burton Von Schmeil has invented a premium curtain love dial. Imagine like the meter on your gas tank, only it's two feet tall and two feet wide. Empty is never want to see this person again. Full is want to spend the rest of my life with them. It's on a platform. If you buy the wheeled attachment, that platform has wheels. Yeah, you can strap it to your side and carry it. It's like 40 pounds. A lot of people can handle that, but if you can't, there is the wheeled base. Say that you're out to dinner with your partner, and you notice for the first time, sometimes they chew with their mouth open. You just reach behind that curtain, adjust the dial down a little bit, or up, however that makes you feel. It allows for real-time adjustments in the moment, records it, it makes it real. It allows for a sober analysis, so you don't get carried away. You've always got a real, tangible material tracking of the dynamics and how happy you really are in that circumstance. And I know what you're thinking, the person I'm dating can see the dial and that's gonna cause a lot of trouble. That's where you're wrong, friend. These are curtained love dials. So they've got a sliding curtain that goes in front of the love dial. So your evaluation of the other person stays secret. That's just for you to track. That shows good judgment to keep it to yourself for a while. You know, then we recommend that at the end, of say a predetermined amount of time and often people will choose six months especially if you're considering becoming more serious it's time to open up those curtains and show off those beautiful dials but we do recommend that if you are more than five points apart when you reveal that you immediately break up yeah and also it is best to in a kind of act of letting go of the old relationship to throw your old love dial out and get a new love dial for the new relationship. You don't want to reuse love dials. And that's what, something you should always ask on a first date is, is this a re-love dial? Has this been used oh, for someone no. else? It's like sleeping in someone's bed where they've slept with someone in that bed and not washed the sheets. Or at all. I always make my partners get new beds. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anything healthier than that. And that's not all. For a limited time, right now, the curtain love dials come with fancy flower print, beautiful Hawaiian curtains. It's not just plain curtains anymore. When you bring this curtain love dial to a first date, it's going to turn heads. When you have it at the office, everyone's going to want to know who your new beau is. Beautiful flower print curtains, if you order today. 
Burton von Schmiles Curtain Lav Dials, ensuring a prompt repairing every six months, according to the von Schmile program. Welcome back to another Wrong Town News update. This just in, shocking, shocking news. The recently rebuilt Wrongtown Greeting Card Factory has been completely exploded with giant bombs once again, this time by a group of polyamorous supremacists, extremists. We go now to their manifesto. The open lifestyle movement can declare victory today. We have struck a major blow to a deeply violent Monago supremacist culture. Wrongtown Greeting Card Factory has been selling the poisonous idea that the ideal form of relationship is an exclusive and closed relationship. We reject that. Today's action is the first step towards a society which has more realistic expectations around long-term relationships and that fights to eradicate all forms of jealousy at every turn. We've taken these actions to secure a free society, an open society, and a society which no longer shoehorns people into broken narratives and boxes. As we continue our campaign of terror, we work towards the outcome where everyone dates multiple partners at all times. The sexual act as common as a handshake or a kiss on the cheek, and deviation from that can be seen as the dysfunction that it truly is. We will not stop fighting at anything short of total sexual and romantic liberation. A shocking manifesto and a bold vision for a future that this reporter is, you know, kind of interested in. I condemn the violence, but uh, everyone dating multiple people at a time, ooh, feels like that would increase my chances. Coming up next on Wrongtown News Report, a horse-drawn carriage that was carrying a shipment of dog-drawn carriages crashed on the highway. We speak to an analyst about whether this will lead to a shortage of dog-drawn carriages. You know, one thing that could really simplify dating is if we invented love potions. You just completely abolish couples therapy with just a simple love <laughs> potion. With love potions. I think there is sort of like a study or something like that where people would stare into each other's eyes for a long time. And just by making like prolonged eye contact that you could increase feelings of affection for each other. I don't, yeah, I don't know if this was the same thing, but I saw something that was like a list of 30 questions of increasing intimacy. And it was like, if you and your partner look into each other's eyes and ask these 30 questions, they did this study and like people had strong responses of, of affection, intimacy. Yeah, sort of a love potion by a narrative. Yeah. But yeah, love potions seem really sort of creepy and weird to force someone to be in love it sounds actually bad a lot of love potion narratives involve that too the spiking of the drink is yeah oh yeah fun. well yeah because you're never like hi person who's not really interested in me why not do you have a love potion that would make you fall in love with me and they're like oh sure thank you no it has to be surreptitious i guess you could be like hey look Here's all these pragmatic reasons why if you were in love with me, I know you're not now, but if right. you were in love with me, your life would be a lot better in this way, in this way, in this way. I'm a really, really good partner. Maybe the rule should have to be that you both have to drink the love potion and it has to be like kind of negotiated beforehand. 
you know, if we turn 38 and neither of us are married, we're both going to drink a love potion and just marry each other. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. Yeah. That seems less bad. But like, yeah, most love potion stuff, it's it's like sneaky. It's a very creepy wish fulfillment narrative. How did this ever become like a cultural institution that was thought to be cute? I don't get this flying nude baby who shoots you with minor weaponry. Yeah. Who thought to make the symbol of the day of love a nude baby? <laughs> So there's this little fucking naked bare ass baby flying around who shoots you with like a heart shaped arrow and it's violent. It's nude. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like a love potion at the tip of a spear that's breaking into your body like <laughs> the edge of a projectile. It is super, super weird. But I guess actually I prefer the idea of sort of like a genie like mischievous being making people fall in love with each other more than the interpersonal agency of being like I'm making this person fall in love with me. But if you have a third party that's sort of mischievous making people <laughs> fall in love with each other, I feel like that starts moving up the scale back towards ethical. Yeah, well especially when it's a mythical being. Like if it was just love potions were real, but this person is super interested in like matchmaking and just like Haha, mischievously <laughs> slipping love potions into people's drinks and turning them into couples. It's better than making someone fall in love with you, but worse than a mystical creature doing yeah, it with magic. No, no, definitely. I say turn it into an adult, a mystical adult. Who put some clothes on him, for Christ's sake. <laughs> you know, tastefully sexy outfit who asks first before giving you a touch, Cupid's touch, instead of a violent arrow. Maybe what Cupid is doing is actually making people love themselves enough to recognize love when it's naturally arising, you know? Because Cupid sees that everyone's really blocked off oh, from yeah. these themselves. connections and loving themselves. So Cupid makes people love themselves enough to... Yeah, because then you get the confidence. And confidence is so attractive that it can override not being like super physically attractive. That's a 21st century Cupid right there. Cupid reform. Yeah, we need to abolish Cupid's violent nudity once and for all and criticize and condemn the immoral uses and narratives around love potions and uplift the beautiful love potion narratives like consensually, pragmatically agreeing to both drink love potions if you're both single at 38. What if you had a system that combined love potions with the arranged marriage thing we were talking about before. So you get an AI to match people up based on some degree of natural compatibility, yeah. but then to really sweeten the pot, just throw a love potion in there. So they both just <laughs> mutually just like really believe they're in love and just, yeah. and I shouldn't even say believe they're in love. They are truly in love. Yeah. You know? See, this is the other thing is love potions tend to be very temporal and run out, which makes the narratives around them make even less sense because they're going to come to their senses eventually. And then, you gave them a love potion. Like, it's just obviously such a bad idea. But if you had an everlasting love potion in this arranged marriage situation, then, yeah, it would be. But also the idea of signing up for everlasting love is... <laughs> yeah, it's based on this assumption that, like, that is the necessary end state of relationships. Like, that's the typical sort of narrative. But, I mean, at the very least, it is totally okay and a regular and successful life to have a series of relationships that do not last forever. Oh, sure, yeah. And even if people are agreeing to use this AI love potion app, there is something sort of weird about that, the narrative being so strong that people are willing to throw themselves into this totally uh, bizarre situation. Well, it could just be just a weighing of values. Like, I hate dating. I'd rather just never have to date again. 
So if I could be in love forever with this potion and this arranged marriage, why not? Something about that really sort of like feels gross and wrong to me. But maybe that's just a type of conservatism that will be looked down upon in the future as we naturally progress to the next phase of the natural evolution of uh, human relationships, which involves AI-assisted love potions. The idea of a love potion is based on the notion that there is a specific thing called being in love. It's a state of being that you can put someone into. Usually when it's portrayed, it's people being like highly infatuated with each other, which like if you have like a grandma and a grandpa who are in love their whole life, like they don't act like... <laughs> infatuated new lovers all the time generally so maybe the best version of the love potion has stages like hits you with a an infatuation stage for like the first you know six months or whatever you just like can't get enough of each other and then the effects of the potion slowly shift into a kind of caring attention and desire to do for each other like do things for one another and be there for one another you know what i mean like the thing the love potion would have to do over a lifetime like changes as the relationship changes absolutely that's just good love potion design because a love potion that only gives you the first stage and only for like a day or a few hours even a lot of the time it's basically useless except for like creating a hilarious scenario in your Sabrina the Teenage Witch fan fiction or whatever. I think it's also not just stages. It's like that same sort of dissonance between what gets you into a relationship versus what makes a relationship work. If we do accept it as like a state of being of like infatuation as the thing that this potion does, mm. that's not necessarily going to make you have similar ideas of like what normal is. And I think that's like one of the big components of a successful relationship is like you need to both have the same sense of normal. Otherwise, there's going to be conflict. But infatuation usually just steamrolls over that where you're just like, sure, yeah, I'll spend every minute with you. I w <laughs> I've never felt this way with anyone else. Usually I don't want to spend time with someone all the time. But with you, I want to spend all my time with you all the time. And they're like, great, that's what I think normal is. <laughs> so the infatuate might be able to just kind of mellow out those differences because you're both insane. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you have that like early stage love insanity yeah if the love potion was just early stage love insanity you for just had 50 to, years you just had to re-up on it all the time <laughs> or you just drink it once and you're in for 50 years you're never gonna stop it'd be a real commitment then you know i'm, I'm just gonna come out and say it i prefer not having love potions i think this system although imperfect where we don't have love potions it's better than it would be with love potions yeah, they should do a season of Black Mirror that's entirely about love potion stories. Like just six <laughs> love potion, release it on Valentine's Day. That's a that's a free one for you, over there, Charlie Brooker. And now we return to our live blind first date. Now twenty minutes in, currently in progress. So cats, dogs, what do you want to get together? But you're not allergic to cats or dogs? No, yeah, yeah. If we ever got in a situation where we were going to move in together, not that we will, it would all be fine. Allergy-wise, you? Yeah, no food allergies either, so wide open as far as cuisine. Just like you're wide open to talk about what this date could or could not mean in different circumstances. So refreshing. So refreshing. This just openness and honesty, and it's like 
people get so freaked out. It's like, hello, you can have this conversation without heading to the tombstone store to get matching tombstones or anything. Yeah, we're not going to the tombstone store right now. I'll put my foot down. If you said, hey, let's... That would be yeah, weird. Let's leave this cafe. We're going to the tombstone store to buy matching tombs. Be like, hey, our food hasn't even arrived yet. We're still working on the drinks. <laughs> Slow down. These breadsticks are great. Why would you leave these breadsticks to go to the tombstone store? You're a madman. Even if we agree on the whole being here to find a sense of completion in the world, potentially in one another, no pressure. One of us saying, let's go to the tombstone store. The other guy's going to go, what the heck? A little soon, don't you think? Yeah, you got to show restraint. Even if you want to head to the tombstone store, just to get it sorted, you know? Because it's like you go on a first date and you don't know, like... Am I never going to think about this first date in a year because it didn't go that great and we never met up again? Or is this going to be a night I remember forever because it's the night that I met my one true love and Mm -hmm. now we're 40 years in? Is this a date I'm going to be carving into my skin? Is this a date that's going to be celebrated like a holiday for the rest of my life? You never know. So I understand wanting to pin that down, head Mm -hmm. to the tombstone store, get it sorted. But I do think a little bit of prudence is called for. Well, let's say that you do go to the tombstone store. Then you got to work out, well, who's going to have what name and blah, blah, blah. You know, what year do we expect to die? That's hard to get that tombstone made so quick. Well, I'll let you in on a little secret. You can leave the death date blank, but the last name thing does need to be worked out. And that would be embarrassing in front of the tombstone seller to be arguing about who's going to take whose last name or hyphenate it or you know i'm just playing i'm just gonna make a joke just to make clear it's a joke but you sure know a lot about tombstones what was your last first date like (laughs) just kidding Uh, well it didn't end up at the tombstone store i'll tell you that (laughs) or i wouldn't be on this date well that's good because i was gonna say what the heck if you've already got tombstones with someone else why are you here from the tombstone store with your last blind first date and now you're here with me what's going on (laughs) Oh yeah, major red flag if you go to someone's house after a first date and they just got a big stack of matching tombstones, them and everyone they've been on first dates with. It's like, oh, wow, you're a bit jumpy with the tombstones. It's like, it's kind of like... Start to uh, feel like our tombstones are a little less special now. Yeah, backs away slowly. (laughs) He's just like, oh, I'll throw them on the pile of all my other tombstones and hopefully I use these ones. Oh, was this $5,000 tombstone nothing to you? Wasteful spending, too. Yeah, I, that yeah. meant something to me. Well, you live and learn, you know? That's what first dates are for. That's it for now. We're going to have to leave these two lovers alone. As for the question, we're all dying to know whether they'll end up getting those matching tombstones. Well, I guess that's something nobody knows until it happens. Sweet, sweet romance. It's open-ended like that. The resolution only comes with death. Back to the show. Well, nobody ever said love was easy. (laughs) (laughs) But it is pretty good when it's good. Oh, yeah. There's definitely a reason people do it. That they are willing to subject themselves to all this. Like, we had a few laughs today about some of the ambiguities and contradictions in our culture of dating and romance. But all jokes aside, you know, it's really nice to have a... It's a peak human experience, I'd say, to meet someone that you're excited about. You know, I'm just going to say it. It's nice to be comforted, you know? Not a lot of people out there patting me on the head, telling me it's going to be all right. Oh, yeah, sure. You get hugs all the time. You get kisses all the time. That's just like... That's rad. uh, I get it. Human contact. And someone's telling you they love you constantly. 
like every day, even if it's kind of like a rote daily thing. It's like, love you, love you. That's like powerful. Mm-hmm. I definitely get why people actually are upset on Valentine's Day, come to think of it. Right. It's because of yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. Just because we're so aloof and we're so cool. and Because we want to, unconsciously, we want to display <laughs> our aloofness to be less vulnerable, right? Right. To yeah. be like, oh, I don't even care whether or not <laughs> someone tells me everything's going to be okay and <laughs> says that they love me. I don't even care. I'm really yeah. cool. <laughs> Whereas the reality is I do really care about that, but I don't tend to care about it more on Valentine's Day, but it makes sense that people would because Mm. of what the day is associated with. But like, you don't have to be in a relationship all the time to be happy, you know, like there's this sort of smothering narrative, I think sometimes that like, it's a main criteria of success. And I think there's a spectrum of different times of successful lives. And to be honest for me, like there is real benefits to both it's just you can do whatever you want whenever you want you're not checking in with anyone i don't know but i mean like the tension is never like one of these states is good and one of these states is bad the tension is you're in one of these states and you wish you were in the other one (laughs) because you got some grass is greener stuff going on or because you're the type of person who would genuinely be better in one of those situations. It's interesting. Yeah. And so it feels weird talking broadly and philosophically about it and just that it's so personal. And I imagine people with so many different perspectives and experiences hearing yeah, yeah, yeah. thoughts on the, the subject. And like it's, but yeah. then at the same time, it's like if someone is in one of those situations where they're in one position and they, they feel a draw they're towards single the other. They really wish they were in a relationship or they're in a relationship that they just really wish they could be free of yeah like people in those situations like they really don't need to hear from me like you're valid it's okay like (laughs) that's not gonna make a difference and um, oh thanks sean (laughs) the reason i was sad on valentine's day is i was worried you didn't think i was valid it's not that i'm single and i wish i was in a relationship i mean it is but that's more minor compared to the concern about whether i'm existentially valid or valid in your eyes well, and the intensely personal thing with love and like different people having different life experiences and different things they would view as normal or what they would want also makes it really hard for me to imagine a utopian version of dating and romance and love or that maybe the utopian version is that it isn't romance and we've done away with these fairy tale versions or whatever, (laughs) or like maybe the utopian thing is the love potion arranged marriage thing. Or it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's really hard to be like, this is what good sexual and romantic life would look like in a perfect society. I don't even know. Yeah. It really highlights the utopia dystopia connection thing of like, it's just hard to describe a romantic utopia that doesn't have this weird sort of dystopian. Yeah. That's the thing I think about utopianizing love that is difficult is like, you can say in utopia, everyone has as much food to eat as they need or want, or in utopia, anyone can access education, pick the thing. But if you say in the utopia, everyone's married for their whole life and they never break up and they have matching tombstones, that's like people are like, well, what if I don't want that's That's my dystopia. Or it's like, everyone has to do this. It's yeah, like, like, who makes me do it? And, and like, yeah, how does the people get picked? There's so many questions. And then what it's happens like, if you don't like the person you're married to? But you wouldn't because it's a utopia. But how does that like, what? How does that work? Out? Oh, you force me to love them with a love potion. Right. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like a really cool, yeah, good utopia there. That's, yeah, doesn't freak me out at all. 
Yeah, because it's kind of a thing with all utopias, right? Is like this perfect society, especially in fiction and stuff. Like if you see an actual perfect society, not just like an idea of a perfect society we're shooting for, but you've walked into one. I don't know how to depict a perfect society in a way that doesn't seem a bit creepy. Like if everything is perfect, it's like who's controlling these people's minds? And that's just really apparent with the love thing as opposed to anything else. You could have a world that has a plurality of these approaches. And that's sort of like the world that we're in. Like with all the messiness of this world, we have this choice baked into it between different sort of narratives around dating. But then that choice becomes a cage. Yeah. But for real, like approaching this from a pragmatic, scientific, utopian perspective that we try to take, you're looking for ever more utopian arrangements for human partnership reproduction and family like we could talk about making sure there's access to relationship counseling oh yeah so relationships that's, a, that's that a utopian outcome. we figure out ways to make sure that the process of dating is more humanized than like tinder at its worst or something like yeah trying to downplay whatever elements like that exist through technological design to encourage seeing each other as full human beings and there's ways that we can tinker at the edges here to have a better yeah. experience and have yeah. people be less cruel to each other yeah yeah because there, there's an inherent cruelty to the process of you know the beautiful gamble of love you know the right 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 yeah those high highs come with very real risks of a lot of low lows another thing is like if people are connected to communities if you like have an old couple and the woman dies, the man is often extremely lonely because he's getting the majority of his care support from this yeah. woman and yeah. he doesn't have like nourishing relationships with male friends that have persisted into his 70s or whatever. So like another part of the utopian approach to romance would be like, how do we make sure that people have access to support services during these times that are inevitable under pretty much any scenario that doesn't involve mind control and immortality so it's inevitable that relationships end either through someone passing away or reaching a point where people are no longer happy together and then deciding to break up that's inevitable like that's like sadness you know like utopia isn't about making everyone happy all the time it's about giving people the opportunity sort of like yeah, to thrive. Yeah, irreducible minimum. Yeah, so it's not that people are smiling all the time. It's not that all relationships never end. It's that when they do end, there's systems and cultural norms that help people accommodate to the inevitable things that are bad in life. A yeah. utopian doesn't want to take away those bad things. We want to minimize preventable bad things, make sure yeah, that well, there's a minimum standard of living and stuff like that. And maybe like you don't have to make a utopian version of dating or love but if you have a utopian version of food clothing education transportation etc when you are going through you know dating or breakups or whatever part of the love thing you're going through at least you're also not worried about paying your rent or about being fired from a job like it's like i wonder how much stress our dating and love life suffers under from all these other deprivations that could be fixed oh yeah absolutely well the, the amount of like uh, women who stay in relationships where they have abusive partners because of the need for like shelter you know the rent costs going down if you get a, a one bedroom and split it there's a big financial incentive to like stay in relationships that aren't working or even get into relationships make them more serious even when they're not working because you can like 
save 15% of your income every month doing that. It's like, it's like a lot of money to save. Yeah. Well, and also what is more attractive in someone than someone who is healthy, well-adjusted, has good self-confidence, is thriving, you know, is doing the stuff that they love, has enough food to eat, access to medicine. You know, I'm not not saying like, ooh, that guy's got access to medicine. (laughs) Nice. But (laughs) if someone doesn't have access to medicine, like that's a modifier on whether or not they're going to seem like an appealing and attractive partner when you first meet them. So like the whole utopian program of moving towards a more supportive society that allows people to thrive, you know, there's still going to be dating is going to be complex and relationships aren't always going to work out. Yeah. But it's a better starting point to live in a good society than a bad society. (laughs) Yeah. It's the wrong question to ask. What's the utopian version of dating? The right question is, what's the utopian society that we want to be dating in? All of utopia is about making a society where it's easier and more natural to love each other and be loved. Shocking development today in the ongoing saga of perpetual bombings of the Wrongtown Greeting Card Factory. It has come out today that the CEO of Wrongtown Greeting Card, Edward Greeting, has been caught paying off anti-natalist extremists to bomb his greeting card factory to get big cash payouts from the terrorist clause of his insurance. If these anti-natalists did bomb the factory, it is likely that their statement would say something like this. We anti-natalists protest the celebration of birth in the form of cards that say, it's a boy, it's a girl, or congratulations on your baby. Additionally, we object to the yearly celebration of one's birth, which should be a mournful occasion. These, quote, birthday cards are an ethical aberration as they celebrate the most painful and damaging thing that any of us ever experiences, our lives. Said statement was never issued, but someone who did issue a statement was Edward Greeding, who said this to reporters earlier today. Ever since I was a little boy, I dreamed of making greeting cards because cards are a way for us to show each other that we have affection and love for one another. That was my goal, and some say that I might have strayed from that goal by goading various ideological extremists into bombing my factory for the insurance money. But I would say that they don't have the whole story because the reason I needed that money is that my wife has cancer. She's been battling cancer for six years and it has completely bankrupted us. Now, I've been with this woman for 30 years. This is the person that I've pledged myself to in all things. This is the mother of my children. I love her and that love has only grown over the years. We've had our ups and downs, of course, like all relationships, but it's really been a touching, wonderful affair. And we have three beautiful children. And, you know, I didn't want her to die. And so I needed the money. And if people take anything from this story, I want them to take away the idea that love is real and that intimate human connection is the most beautiful thing on this planet. And I'm not sorry for what I did. I would do it again in an instant. And yeah that's it you can all thank me later wow a startling confession and manifesto 
from a businessman committing white-collar crime for love and for it to happen on Valentine's Day. It's incredible. Now, um, I usually just share the news on this show. I don't usually talk about what's going on in my life, but to be honest, your news guy is single right now and looking, and it's hard. How's that for news? You know, it's tough. I was about to give up hope that love was real, but hearing that, it's like, wow, love is real. And finding love as a newscaster in this crazy town is a challenge I'm up for. Anyways, I'm sorry, there was, there was a fire at the mattress factory earlier today. None of the mattress employees survived a Valentine's Day tragedy. Way, way worse than what I'm going through right now, single-wise. Sorry for bringing... Ah, I went back to it. I'm sorry. The producer's giving me the, the neck-choppy sort of don't-talk-about-your-personal-life-anymore thing. So, on to some other news after the break. Well, thanks everyone for listening to our little show. And I hope you have a happy Valentine's Day. If you snuck away from your partner to squirrel away and listen, <laughs> listen to, to an episode seat. of the show. Or, and or if you're both sitting by the fire listening to the episode together. Or Bang. another perfectly valid option <laughs> is if you're currently single and you listen to this episode on Valentine's Day, I hope if you're the type of person to feel bad about Valentine's Day being single, that it made you feel more okay with being single. And I hope if you're in a relationship, it made you feel more okay with being in a relationship, unless it's a toxic relationship. Thanks again for listening. If you didn't have anyone to go out with this year on Valentine's Day, you can donate to our Patreon. You saved all that money that you didn't spend taking out your partner for dinner. That's money that can be used to support independent leftist media content. Holy shit, that's so true that if you're single on Valentine's Day, like, what am I doing? Oh my god, it's so horrible. Oh, I saved 60 or $70. That's what I did this Valentine's Day. It's 10 months of giving the wrong boys a sweet six. That's great. I feel great about that. That's the right counter narrative. We can tie it to donating to the Patreon or not, but the right counter narrative is, oh, single on Valentine's Day? Enjoy the extra money. Cha-ching. Anyways, thanks for listening. Have a great week. Next time on Seriously Wrong, it's a Valen Crimes Day spectacular, as Valentine's Day is turned into Valen Crimes Day, and it becomes legal to do crimes on Valen Crimes Day as long as you're doing the crimes for love.